This is Linux in Laws, a podcast on topics around free and open source software, any associated contraband, communism, the revolution in general, and whatever else fancies your tickle. Please note that this and other episodes may contain strong language, offensive humor, and other certainly not politically correct language. You have been warned. Our parents insisted on this disclaimer. Happy mum! Thus, the content is not suitable for consumption in the workplace, especially when played back on a speaker in an open-plan office or similar environments. Any minors under the age of 35 or any pets, including fluffy little killer bunnies, your trusted guide dog, unless on speed, and cute T-Rexes or other associated dinosaurs. Welcome to Linux In-Laws, Season 1, Episode 85. Martin, how are things? Yeah, things are not bad, not bad. New King, lots of sawdust. Um, yeah, apart from that, everything's fine. <laughs> did, you, did you saw up the king? Hence the sawdust, I'm wondering. <laughs> no, no, I've been fitting some doors. So, but And the king be. couldn't be of the <laughs> No, no, he was otherwise <laughs> that's, engaged. That's pretty yeah. useless king then, isn't it? Uh, well, they usually have people to do this stuff, but Why? They, um, they tend to employ them to do up their own houses, not mine. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> but I mean, what's the point of having a king if the king doesn't look after its, his subjects? Uh, well, they do um, sort of, you know, traveling the world type stuff. Don't they? So I think that's, that's what they do. Charles I mean, if sim similar. I mean, there is room for improvement. <laughs> Uh, you can say the same about politicians. They're also pretty useless. But, uh, yeah. Well, you get a point there. But mm. then, Martin, and here's the shocking news. Politicians normally, on average anyway, cost much less than a king if current figures are anything to go by. Well, it depends what, um, what you mean by cost. I'm specifically uh... referring to the British monarch. Ah, At this point, at, at, in, in this at, at this point in time, yes, mm. as in the one who's just recently been crowned. Well, at least there's only one of them. Where it's like there's a whole uh, hordes, of, hordes of politicians and and, and civil Martin, servants who Martin, are all. It may come as a shock. <laughs> it may come as a shock to you, but you have you do have a queen now too. So yes, I know. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I have read the news. Yeah, <laughs> it's Martin, and you see, if I mean, putting the numbers together, you're looking at twice mm. the cost, I suppose, because. You're looking at a king, and then you're looking at a queen, and she happens to be a woman. Well, somewhat, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> People, for those of you who are listening for the first time, this podcast is explicit. And yes, all, most of our jokes would be totally politically incorrect. Like this one. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay, but this is not about politics or monarchs or monarchies, rather, but rather about free and open source software. So, Martin, what's what we're going to talk about tonight? Oh, uh, we're going to talk about some, let's say, ethical hacking distributions. Uh, I'm I'm tempted to say we're talking oh, about pen, the pen general testing, use. Yeah, yeah we yes. were talking about the general use of floss components or software or, or whatever in uh, something called offensive security. Okay, yeah, you could do that. And yeah, I'm that's, almost that's, that's tempted. That's probably a, a higher level uh, title. <laughs> yes. Yeah, very good. And I'm almost tempted to say we might throw in bonus content if we feel like it. How to counter these things? That sounds so like. If... Uh, did, did we not have some comments about our episode length recently? 
Um, we did. May, so, maybe this needs um, to be a uh, series. So, so let's let let's go through it kind of quickly. People, you know what offensive security is, right? You're trying to break into a system. You're trying to hack a system. Fair enough. There are components out there in the wild. Things will be the show notes. Mm. <laughs> Read them. And so now we can move on to the defensive part, as in how to counterattack these attacks. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, there's PSAT, there's uh, Snort, there's uh, Fail to Ban. And with that, we would like to thank you for listening to the show. <laughs> No joke. Read the show notes. Okay. <laughs> Read the show notes. Exactly. Maybe. Yeah, that's the. Uh, yeah, yeah, let's see, see if people still complain ever. about the uh, episode <laughs> link. <laughs> they did not complain. They just said that some of the episodes, like the, like the ones kind of nearing two hours, were a tad bit too long. So yes, we can really talk about kind of an hour, an hour, maybe a one and a half. Market well, post production will cut this down anyway, so no worries. So we, 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 will, we will end up at the usual kind of 45 minutes to hour mark anyhow. Let's see, let's see. And people, if you are so inclined, if you want to give us money via PayPal, Patreon, and whatever, just send email to feedback at you. Mm. Yes, we might be tempted actually to, uh, for the people who give us money, to revive the ads that were abandoned quite a few quarters ago in terms of, in contrast to other shows where you actually pay for not listening to ads, uh, these ads may be backed by popular demand if you give us, if you give us money. Hmm. That would be the first podcast actually charging for ads, I suppose. <laughs> I'm joking. We, well, we've been doing them for free so far. Yeah. <laughs> mm. So if you want to have a revival yeah. of these ads, like the ones uh, featuring Grumpy, Oracle, IBM, and all the rest of them, just send feedback to Linux and Last Oh, the Grumpy's going to sponsor. What's going on here? Well, they, they used to. Remember they? that ad? I'm still waiting for my beer. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was about card called Cash uh, Martin. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Oh, okay. okay, on back to the much more uh, relevant mm. subject, as an offset. Now, before we go, I reckon, through the kind of high-level categories where you can actually deploy um, free, free Libre and open source software, we mm -hmm. should probably, first of all, for those two people in the audience who do not know what offensive security is, as in IT security, uh, define what's, what's the word I'm looking for, define the playground of what we're talking about so that everybody is on the same level. Hmm. Well, that's interesting, interesting uh, terminology, actually, offensive security, isn't it? Because security is normally defensive, but <clears throat> which kind of brings us to the uh, tools and the subject of today, right? No, I mean, the, the thing is that I mean, if you want to be on the edge in terms of if you want to make sure that your IT systems that you use to host websites, uh, kind of deploy webshops and all the rest of it, are secure, what you would normally do is actually, you would either do it yourself or you would deploy a team of ethical hackers that try to break into your system. If they succeed, report the findings as an kind of write down what they what they had to do in order to gain entrance so to speak and then you would set out a set of mitigations in order to rectify these issues so offensive security is quite right in that regard only if you turn to the dark side as in black hat then it becomes an issue mm. if that makes any um, sense yeah i mean it's it's like uh, the uh, analogy is to hire a burglar to check out your your house safe your house is right 
Well, you see, yes, but you have to commission the burglar with, first of all, a right to conduct that assessment. You do? <laughs> That's very Ideally in writing, I might add. Uh, so that uh, if at any stage, in, for example, a neighbor decides to call the police, he can show mm. if that waiver in front of that the police. That seems pretty neighbor, unlikely, to be honest. But, uh, <laughs> okay. um, Maybe where you live, Mark, but that's beside the point. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Anyhow, no. And apart from that, you would also have to tell the burglar, now here's the money uh, for this job. Um, you're going to return all the items you're going to, go, that you're going to steal, but you could also will also tell me Hmm. How you write a report and, <laughs> exactly, and how you gained entry. This is the important mm -hmm. bit. So, yeah. and, the, and the sweet way to do this basically is to make sure that before the burglar actually does this assessment, that you have possession of his or her or its family, children, any hmm. known and unknown offspring, never mind valuable assets. Because, <laughs> because if he fucks this up, you can hand, you can hold him ransom. It's simple as that. So it's all about leverage, if you okay. know what I mean. So, so this is the the usual uh, modus operandi for testers, is it? No, jokes aside, it's probably now a good idea to kind of lay the playing field in terms of what we're going to talk about. The idea is basically to define a few categories, talk about them, and then give you an example or two for these categories before we come to the penultimate uh, frameworks, tools, whatever you want to call them, that will do much of the job for you. If that okay. That sounds very sensible, yeah. So why don't we start with... What should we start with, Martin? Well, um, we could... It depends how long we want the episode to be. <laughs> As I said, for us, it's okay. Um, <laughs> Because clearly, uh, well, I mean, you've you studied this stuff. Um, you got some kind of uh, certification in it, haven't you? Uh, if I'm not mistaken, but <laughs> whatever that means, uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's, uh, if if you look at the the whole, uh, let's say the the playing field or the uh, things that need to happen, um, there is there's various um, bits and pieces that one needs to do right if one wants to test one's security. Um, uh, well, if if you go with your burglar, you will first have to uh, gather some information about the place. Um, yes. You know, what kind of house is it? What are the doors, the windows, uh, points of entry, people living there, neighbors, et cetera, et cetera. Um, mind you, I'm not sure there's an, an, a knowledge, an, a knowledge an, an analogy for neighbors. It has in, been a long day, Martin, right? Same here. Yeah. Yes. Um, and then, yeah, clearly, uh, next step is to analyze any vulnerabilities, as in which one is the weakest door or the easiest window or whatever, and that kind of stuff. Right? So, um, in short, there's a whole bunch of steps and things to go through um, to test your systems um, that are applied in OFSEC. What Martin has just described, or much of it, is actually the the normal cycle of something called a penetration test hmm. because that's exactly how you would go about penetrating hence the name a system in terms mm -hmm. of you would gather intelligence before i mean first of all you would scope the penetration test i.e what is your ultimate goal what do you want to achieve you were just you just want to break in do you want to kind of uh, see what's there in terms of a complete server landscape do you want to mm. kind of go into the detail as in 
what software is running on these servers, what patch level do they have, how they are vulnerable as an attackable, mm -hmm. or do you want to go even further and say, no, look, the, the attacking side is all grand and, and glory, but there's something called social engineering. So do you want to include the human aspect of hacking into your penetration test as well, i.e. how easy it is basically using mm. human using human skills to get into, for example, a building where the physical security is in place. Yeah, that's um that has been been many cases uh, as as explained by some some podcasts like um that deal with these things uh, that you know the easiest way to gain access is to um, try and get to the keyboard, for example, um, or get someone's access credentials, that kind of stuff, right, rather than trying to um, do it uh, remotely. Indeed. I mean, this is, this is uh, yeah, that boils down to how the playing field is laid out. I mean, if you have firewalls that are hardened to the extreme, if you have other kind of uh, parameter defenses, that are up to the latest patch level, why bother with technology if you could simply use social engineering in hmm. terms of gain physical entrance through the usual means, details maybe in the show notes, in terms of books to read for social engineering, if you want to become a, if you want to become a social engineer, because normally humans are the weakest spot in their chain, especially if they're not trained correctly. Let's put it this way. Hmm. Uh, yes, well, this is uh, <laughs> talking about training. This is why most corporate organizations have these mandatory security trainings, right? Um, which, which are great, may... great fun indeed. Yeah, may or may, not, or may not be up to the task, exactly. <laughs> indeed. <laughs> okay, yeah, let's first of all basically shed some light on how you basically get a foot in the door. Let's put it this way. I.e., what would you use basically to say to get into a local area network or to get access through a router or something like this? As in your first step into the door. Well, there's two, two ways. Either it's um, uh, Ethernet based or Wi Fi. <laughs> so, Indeed. Uh, hmm. This is the awkward silence. <laughs> That's going to be cut out later on. Well, this anyway. okay. Well, we can talk about some of the tools that are available for these things. Yes, like air crack and stuff like that. Indeed. So, with with that, actually, let's start the technical discussion about the components. Of course, people details will be in the show notes. Hmm. And if you are a seasoned <clears throat> security engineer, most of the stuff should should, should sound familiar. So, just for, fast forward to the boxes or to the raffle may or may not be part of the episode if post-production doesn't cut it out. But anyway, Martin, <laughs> so what are the typical tools that come to mind here? <clears throat> uh, well, I mean, this... Uh, okay, uh, shall we... Which one are we talking about? Let's, let's discuss... Wi-Fi uh, or... or yeah. yeah, no, I mean, let's discuss kind of going from the more general to the kind of more specialized. Let's discuss Wireshark first, I think. Wireshark? Or, okay. Or, 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 sorry, NMAP. Well, for for all these, okay. So, okay, let's do this. Start with MMAP then. Um, uh, sorry, Martin, you're right. Before before we discuss MMAP, we should probably discuss how we gain access. Yes. And yeah, in that case, you're absolutely spot on. Let's mm. discuss why. Let's discuss wireless first. So, being an ordinary, 
what's the word? Um, what's the, what's the term looking for? A war driver, right? As in, you get into car, you cruise around <laughs> your victim and try to get access through a wireless network. Hmm. Good idea. Yeah. So first of all, basically, you have to identify the SRDs, as in the wireless networks that there are. Hmm. I suppose. Yeah. And once you have done this, if the people have done their job correctly, most of them would be PSK protected as in a predefined shared key or passphrase. Yeah, you may also <laughs> want to uh, invest in a decent Wi-Fi antenna. But, um... True, yes. Uh, which may or may not be a floss component. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> It's just so, your, your your usual built-in, built um, yeah, if, if we're talking about, you know, driving around in a car, obviously we're going to have a laptop, so those built-in ones are not the um, best in yes. terms of perception. What, what Martin hmm. is carefully building the tension up to is a tool called Aircrack NG, which, yeah, Martin, you take it away. Well, it's a very handy tool. You run it, um, get some... See what communication you get from the. I mean, you, you you can always pick up all the SSIDs anyway. That's not even if they're hidden, they uh, they will still send the out their um, signatures. Um, but Aircrack does does all this stuff for you. Really, it scans for any networks. It will try and communicate with them, find out what um, uh, what um, security they have, and. Um, yeah, if there are certain elements of communication available, then you may be able to um, use various um, password hashing tools to gain access. And yeah, in addition to brute forcing passwords, it's also capable actually of exploiting known vulnerabilities. Mm, yes. In addition to brute forcing passwords, of course. Mm. Uh, on the Wi-Fi subjects, there's obviously also the option to do some spoofing, right? True. As in impersonate someone's access point and gain yes. credentials that way. Exactly. So if you happen to be in a hotel lobby and your target just sitting kind of <laughs> very close to you, which is, of course, not a pen testing, but rather a social engineer move, or engineer move, rather, you can uh, emulate a hotspot. Hmm. And but going back to the first point, hmm. this is why, for example, ACLs in routers are so important because without and this is basically the same procedure in every kind of base hardening of a system, you would only allow access of a device to your even front door if it has the right MAC address, for example. So you configure the router or you configure the Wi-Fi network with a so-called Mac access control list. So only mm -hmm. the Macs that are defined on this list can gain access. So and that's exactly where tools like Aircrack NG fail because they cannot spoof the Mac address. Yeah, and that's obviously not <clears throat> for your most uh, more more, uh, more common uh, Wi-Fi access points. Not many people are going to that kind of length, right? Well, that's true. It, it, I mean, it depends on how you want to uh, how much you want to harm your system. Hmm. Yeah, sure. and yeah, and, and exactly. And uh, but the point of of these uh, of these tools is that they will highlight 
these kind of omissions so that you can then do something about it. In case you hadn't gone on to the... How many days is the course that you've been on? Uh, yeah. Um, tactical missiles come in handy at that stage. So ah. if, you will, if you are detecting somebody trying to break into your net, Wi-Fi network, and in addition you see a car driving up and down the road with the same license plate all over again, you might as well actually give them a nudge in terms of firing a rocket propelled grenade at them so that they get the message... And uh-huh. discontinue this effort, just in case. Good idea. Good idea. Um, um, you may want to obtain a license before you do this in the first place. Just avoid legal consequences, by the way. I'm not sure that these things are freely available, but there we go. Um, it depends. Maybe, on maybe they are in Germany. I don't know. <laughs> it, it depends <laughs> on where you look, Martin, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. No, details will not be in the show notes, people. <laughs> yes. Okay. Back to a much more serious subject. Mm. Okay, so what's next? Local area networks, I suppose, but that means actually gaining physical access mm. to yep. an environment. Mm. So yeah. assuming you have circumvented the sawtooth tigers, uh, you have managed to swim through the moat with the piranhas in it, you have to manage to to avoid the guardians with these rocket propelled grenades in the first place. So what comes next? You actually are at the building. You have found a local air network socket. So you plug in your cable. What then? Mm. Well, then you that, that's where Nmap comes in, right? To do some scanning of uh, what's around. Indeed. So Nmap is an enumeration tool. Hmm. You give an IP address or range of probably, probably some kind of abbreviation of something, isn't it? But I don't know what it is. <laughs> ne- network mapper comes to mind. <laughs> probably, probably. Mm. <laughs> no, I mean, jokes aside, network, uh, the NMAP is a great tool for actually enumerating a physical network. Hmm. It can be done on a, la- on a Wi-Fi network too, but that, of course, requires that you have access to said network. Now, what NMAP actually will do is would, it, it will scan the network for known IP addresses, and also we take a look at the ports that are open on these IP addresses. And in addition to this, if you're so instructed to, it will also try to, and this is where the sweet spot comes in, it -hmm. will try to access, it will try to, first of all, guess the the exact service running behind these ports. In addition to that, it will take a look at the version, if it can determine the version of the service running behind that port. And in addition to that, it would also take a look at the big picture in terms of, for example, what operating system is running be, uh, is running behind an IP address, and will also, if possible, based on on a, on a technique called fingerprinting, will also tell you the version, or will try to guess the version of that mm-hmm. operating system. Mm-hmm. Quite a handy tool if you just have a network range and yep. want to see what's running on the IP addresses and how you will probably be able to get access because the version number of the service, if available, will tell you the patch level and, of course, the CVEs as the common vulnerability innovations that these services have in terms mm-hmm. of how they are being able to be attacked. Yeah, once you know the device and the, and the software that's running on it, then you can look for the vulnerabilities right so so where would one find these vulnerabilities um 
Deep details will be the show notes. There is a common database of CVEs at Mitra.org. But it is, uh, in addition to that, your search engine of choice is a good is a good first step. With regards to you typing the CVE number, chances are you will get the technical details too. One but example. It's, it's more the other way around, right? You've got a device, you have an operating system. <laughs> you want to find out what the CVE is. <laughs> yes, but I mean, if, if you instruct NMAP, for example, to find out what exact what what is exact what is the exact version of the OpenSSH server running on that machine, that gives you an indication of how you can attack that OpenSSH server, and that's what I mean by S, by, by CVEs, because if you detect that this OpenSSH is ancient in terms of quite a few years old, chances are it hasn't been patched. Chances are, hmm. if you take a look at the CVEs associated with that release some of the vulnerabilities might still be exploitable. And that yep. gives you at least okay. a remote access to that system. Mm-hmm. And that's your first step into a machine or into user land. Well, and yeah, then, it, it depends on your uh, uh, intentions or... or uh, but yeah, usually... Why, why do people um, do these things, right? It's... Um, because they have been commissioned with finding out the weak spots. Ah, system. okay. Yeah, Doing well, it for if, money. Yeah. <clears throat> with the yes, I meant, I meant the, the non-official ones. <laughs> the non-official ones. Do it in their free time because they work for said company and want to increase the internal security. Uh-huh. <laughs> so no, much no, for nothing the theory. To do, <laughs> no, nothing to do with ransom. <laughs> Uh, no, Mark. No, 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 no. Okay, this would okay. be the minuscule minority of cases where people ah. actually try to do bad things to the system. Of course, that doesn't happen in real life. Not at all. Yeah. Okay. Glad um, to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. On with the on with the subject uh, uh-huh. list. So now that now that you've gained access, now that hmm. you have enumerated what's out in the network. Maybe now it's it's time to take a look at what else you can do once you're inside, as in the first step into the door. Uh, sorry, are we on a server yet? Or not yet? Or... Uh, we, we are on a server, yes. We have identified that there's an ah. OpenSSH uh, port open. Um, so what's going to be next? We want to get on the server. Ah, so the port is open. We don't have any access yet, okay. Well, we have oh, to oh, find out what, what depends what kind of security they have for their SSH, right? Um, exactly. Or that, we have yeah. just identified a web server running on that machine. And funny enough, hmm. there may be traffic between the web server and some outside entity, which is, funny enough, not being protected by HTTPS. So the proxy is running elsewhere to continue to continue that picture, that image. But now we have access actually to an open HTTP, HTTP port, which is normally the case on port 80. So we may want to take a look at what's happening between the proxy and that web server. Okay. So And to which, which end? We want to analyze the traffic. Ah, this, oh, this is where you're talking about Wireshark. Wireshark. Exactly, yeah. Martin. Sorry, yes, okay. <laughs> so we put our trusty, <laughs> our trusty NIC as a network interface chip into something called a promiscuous mode that allows it to listen to traffic not destined for its MAC address, as in not destined for itself, but rather for any 
network interface chip out there on the network. This is called the promiscuous mode. Fun fact, you need on most operating systems root access to this. But if you are, for example, inside, as in have gained physical access to the network, you have a laptop with you anyway that you control. So you simply plug it into the network, you detect a, a web server, and you want to see what's happening on that web server between the proxy, if it's proxied, as a reverse proxy between the outside world, because that reverse proxy normally handles HTTPS traffic, and the traffic between the proxy and running in probably in front of the DMZ, the, the militarized zone, and the and the server in the backend is is normally not encrypted. And this may be of interest to you. So what you do is actually you a you tell your NIC to be in pro, uh, to be in promiscuous mode, and then you deploy a tool called Wireshark. And Wireshark uh -huh. is actually the, your next excellent member in your toolset because Wireshark is, I'm almost to say, of jack of all trades. Because what Wireshark actually can do is it can capture and analyze network traffic, but in a very user-friendly way, and it's highly configurable. So if you, for example, want to take a look at the traffic that exchanged between the proxy and the web server, you simply instruct Wireshark to capture the, the, to capture the packets that are exchanged between the web server and the proxy. And the Wireshark basically captures the traffic and presents you with a payload view, for example. So uh, it strips away the HTTP protocol elements and only gives you kind of a view of what's happening on an HTTP level. But in addition to that, and this is where the beauty of Wireshark comes in, you can peel away the, la the, la the layers of protocol one by one. So stripping away HTTP elements, you can drill down to a TCP level and furthermore, you can drill down to a layer two protocol if the NRC supports this. You can also capture DNS access and all the rest of it. So that Wireshark is actually able to give you a pretty detailed picture of what's happening on your network in a very configurable and user-friendly way. Okay. I mean, Wireshark has other purposes as well, right? But... Take it away, Martin. <laughs> Well, if you, if you're trying to uh, not non-security related, if you're trying to see what uh, communication um, certain bits of software um, do, then again, Wireshark can help you with that. Absolutely. So if you're into defect analysis and remediation, Wireshark is pretty much your tool of choice in distributed systems. That's correct. Hmm. Okay. Um, back to, you have now found an OpenSSH port, an OpenSSH port, but you want to get into that machine on a command line level in terms of, you want to have access to a shell, to command line. So you have to circumvent that password problem. Well, if, if there is a password in the first place, right? Yes. Uh, smart people would, of course, secure their um, SSH access with keys. Hmm. So you would do away with the password problem, exactly. Yes, then you're a bit buggered, aren't you? <laughs> because, uh... In addition to that, you might actually be able, you might stand in front of the machine ah. and are faced with uh, console access. Yeah, that's always handy. Um 
There are also um, usually uh, servers have secondary networks for, for management, right? So they may be differently secured and stuff like that. But yeah, um, best way is with indeed with a certificate to secure it. And for these few systems that is still at all possible protected access, there's a tool called John the Ripper. Uh-huh. Uh, known in pen testing and other communities. Details, of course, will be in the show notes. Uh, John the Ripper allows you to brute force attacks on password protected systems okay. using pretty much any means possible on your machine. So it does use GPUs for encryption mm. purposes, all the rest of it. It's quite sophisticated. I think parts of it are written actually in the sampler. So it may only be able to run on, on, on Intel and our machines. That at least was the case when I, filed, when I last looked at it quite some time ago. And it also supported a restricted number of GPUs to accelerate mm. the crypto stuff. Yeah. Uh, John the Ripper, indeed. Not to be confused with Jack the Ripper, who was, I think, an assassin <clears throat> about 150 years ago in London. Indeed, um, indeed. Historical uh, details may be off. Details may or may not be in the show notes. Uh, I mean, there are also other um, password tools, right? But anyway, um, this, True. This, uh, this is where having a handy... And testing distribution makes life a lot easier. Indeed. So, what, can, what, what, because what, they come pre-installed. <laughs> yes. So, Martin, you being the, of course, so you, of course, being the ethical hacker, <laughs> and the emphasis is on ethical, not the hacking part. <laughs> ah. Yes. So, Martin, what would you use in order to to have this all rolled into one? Well, there's some some handy, uh, as I mentioned, some handy distributions out there that have all this stuff pre-installed for you. Yeah, so I mean, there's 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 a couple, right? Most uh, well-known ones are Parrot and um, Carney, uh, which are basically just Linux distros with a whole bunch of handy tools pre-installed for you. Yes. Details, as I said, maybe in the show notes, but it's probably worth pointing out that. Kali, the last time I looked at it anyway, it used to be called Backtrack a couple of years back. It's, I think, now these days Debian-based, um, but it comes with, and the others, I think, do not come out of the box with that framework. They come with something called Metasploit. Okay. Which is... I, I think you're the ex- expert on this, aren't you? <laughs> Why don't, why don't you people? Uh, why don't you tell the people what Metasploit is? Uh, yes, Metasploit is actually a framework written in Ruby. Ruby. That, uh, yes, indeed, a very famous project programmer language. Also has a framework, a couple of frameworks built on top of it. Um, first and foremost, Rails, I suppose, is worth mentioning. But apart mm. from that, Metasploit has been around at least for the last 20 years. We're recording this in 2056, I think. That's <laughs> uh, a bit optimistic. Isn't maybe it? not. Maybe. I don't know. No jokes aside. I think Metasploit was invented around 2003, 2004. There's Wikipedia, there's Wikipedia pages that uh, will be able to tell you the exact details. 
to summarize things, Metas, why is Metasport important? Apart from the fact that it's written Ruby, it gives you pretty much a, I'm almost tempted to say, complete set of pen testing tools at your disposal so that you don't have to bother with putting all the attack vectors together yourself as in using a map, you, what, what types of exploits can I use? What types of, of fuzzes and fuzzing in terms of how can I break into a system? What, for example, mm-hmm. what SQL innovations out there and all the rest of it. So Meta's plot basically wraps this all up into one. Mm-hmm. And the funky part is it's A, well-documented. B, it's done by a company called Rapid7 that's, being an open core company, also pedal a commercial version, but don't bother with that because at the core, Metasploit is still an open source penetration, or I'm tempted to say basically offensive security framework because A, it's, it's, it's available in source code. And yes, the APIs as an SDKs are well documented. So mm. you have the complete set of, for example, exploits categorized by operating systems and by subcomponents in the in the distribution itself so you actually can take a look at for example how redis can be can be exploited given a, a specific version on a operating system called linux so once you have determined the components and the user land of a machine Chances are Metasploit, and that, of course, would include the versions of said components. Chances are Metasploit has still a fuzzer, an exploit, whatever, an analyzer out there that is able to help you to again to exploit this component. Or at least see how this component can be broken, for want of a better expression. And now an even more important fact if you take a look at the contributions to Metasploit done by Rapid7 and other entities, you will notice that this framework is pretty much kept up to date with the latest CVEs for, for any user land, for any, for any components that is <laughs> well, out that's, there. That's quite useful. <laughs> In, indeed, because what, what's the point of using a framework that is 10 years uh, yeah. old and that, that only has exploits out there for security holes that have been patched long ago? What's the mm-hmm. point? And this is the reason why why Metasploit is is probably at the top of that list because it's kept up to date. Yeah, good. Going back to Kali now, just a fun fact. There's okay. also a yeah, there's also a spin called NetHunter that I came across just recently. NetHunter yeah. is actually a port of Kali to an Android device. If you have a mobile phone that adheres to, I say, more recent AOSP definitions in terms of it's capable of running Android 9, 10, 11, 12, chances are it, it's also capable of running NetHunter. NetHunter is not for the faint-hearted in terms of you have to re-image your mobile phone. So it's not an app that you install, but rather a complete image that you flash your phone with. But after that, it's a pen testing device, your mobile phone that is, that fits into a pocket. Because at the end of the day, mm. all the functionality that Kali brings with it is incorporated in NetHunter. Okay. Which makes it a very handy tool. If Because if you don't want to schlep around your kind of two, three laptops, but rather just a set of mobile phones, <laughs> off you go. 
Why do you need three laptops? Uh, because one won't do the trick. <laughs> <laughs> but one phone will. Okay. <laughs> maybe two. Maybe three more. You know. Yeah. Um, uh, nice, nice idea. But yeah, this is only for people who can read very small fonts. Right? <laughs> no, I mean it's it's uh, it, as I said, it's not for the Fender because a you yeah. have to unlock your boot sector because otherwise you won't be able to install a recovery partition manager like GRWP or whatever it's called these days. And with only with only that that tool, <clears throat> you will be able to flash the main system partition as and put the NetHunter, NetHunter image onto mm. that system partition. So you have to more or less jailbreak, for, to use an iOS term, your phone, if you want to use NetHunter. You can, of course, put a VM onto your phone, if you choose to do so, and run... Uh, NetHunter in that VM on your phone. The way to do this is actually to use a tidy Linux distribution that runs on any Android phone called Termux. And Termux, in contrast to popular belief, is not just a terminal emulator, but it's a full Linux distro that includes actually tools like a hypervisor, like QEMU, and so forth. Details will be in the show notes. Yeah, I personally have stick with a laptop, but yeah. That's, that's <laughs> <what I do. laughs> yeah, Ma- Martin, full disclosure, Martin is the kind of more traditional one among us. <laughs> <laughs> but enough of that. Did we forget anything before we conclude the show? Because we've been talking almost the last four <coughs> hours. Oh, or, dear. Or, or anyway, right? So, <laughs> so let's see. Um... So people, before, yeah. before you get confused, if you're looking at the at the at the time of your on your on your, on your mobile phone or whatever device you use to uh, listen to this episode, and it only kind of clocks it at the hour mark, post production <laughs> has removed the rest. So. Mm. Um, <laughs> Cutting short. Yeah, it, I think. Um, I mean, yeah. Why do you need um, these tools and? Um, uh, why would you run any of these distributions? That is quite handy to check your own security, right? Um, if you are running your own service, then, uh, or if you want to uh, indeed um, do it on a professional basis. And what comes in very handy is actually to win that rat race against your kids if your kids want to have the upper hand. Hmm. <laughs> Yes, yes. That's, that's, uh, if you're listening, kids, it's all under control. So don't bother. Don't bother, exactly. Kids, unless you're really considering a, a career as a pen tester, which is my, which is I might add, well paid. And if you want to get out, if you want to get ahead of Daddy, just send the email to kids underscore feedback at linux.inlogs.eu, and I'm going to make sure that Daddy doesn't get that email. Yes. <laughs> That especially goes for any kids out there of the Visser family <laughs> who may or may be listening to this podcast. <laughs> okay, jokes aside, we should probably now turn our attention to something much more serious called the boxes. Oh, okay. Go for it. So Martin, what is your pick of the week? Ah, my pick of the week. Yes. Um, I need to think of the name now. Oh, yes, I remember the name. Yes. Um, I don't know if you remember a movie called True Lies. Um, yes. They have made a spin off series. Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? Yes, Arnold Schwarzenegger. And, yes. Um, uh, the California the Governor. <laughs> who's the woman? Um, anyway, the one 
the uh, some famous actress as well, which I forget the name of. Uh, Did, links will be in the snow notes. <laughs> didn't that movie flop at the box office? Uh, who knows? About what really... twenty five years ago or something? It's, like it's quite old. It's quite old. <laughs> but that, yeah, it's, it's quite amusing. It's quite amusing. Anyway, um, uh, okay. a, a a series has been made uh, under the same kind of storyline, which that is quite animated wonderful. movies and stuff like no, no, without no, no, no characters. No. Okay. No, not not the movie, but the television series. So, it's... so, so uh, sorry, yes, but animation or real? People? No, 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 miss people, people, yes. So, how did they manage to revive Arnold Schwarzenegger? Not, not with the same people. <laughs> ah, okay. <laughs> Strangely enough, so, so they didn't have to pull it from from his grave. Okay. Did he die then? I thought he was dead. No, I don't. I don't think so. Um, Hang on. At least put, from no. a political perspective, he's dead. I mean, he's no longer governor, <laughs> governor of California, if memory serves correct. Maybe I'm wrong. Arnold, if you're listening out there and you're mm. looking for a gig, send email to feedback and let us know. Maybe we should get him on the show. That'd be kind of fun. We may be able to catch up on this. <laughs> yes, exactly. Hmm. He's only 75. He's only a few years older than you are. What is this? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Martin. You are. I, I wouldn't know about these things. <laughs> yeah. Okay, my pox is actually also a movie called <coughs> Kompromat. Uh, sorry about this Russian mispronunciation. It's hmm. about a French ambassador. No, he's not an ambassador. He's a French outpost in Siberia. In I think it, it's Tusk or something. Looking after the Académie Française. I hope I didn't botch this. As in butcher this. Uh, so And he's being set up by some folks. Yeah. 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 And the movie, in most parts, is about him making that escape from a Russian prison. Needless to say, this hmm. isn't a walk in the park without giving away too many details. A point, of course, will be show notes. It's a movie I would reckon worth watching. It's, it has its flaws. It's a bit long, to be honest with you, but uh, some of the most of the, of the, of the action is quite riveting. Especially how the plot is set up, I would give it to stick with the IMDb rating. I would give it a six point something out of ten. So if you want to brush up your French, because I don't, there may or may not be a dub version in English out there. Needless to say, the Russian original is also is always available. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> uh, no, I mean jokes aside. If you're into that sort of spy movie caper thing, whatever, this is probably something you don't want to miss. I think it ha it goes back to 2022 or 21. So you should be able to get it on your favorite streaming services uh, as usual. Disney, okay. Netflix, if you want to send us money, the email address is sponsor at Linux in Australia. You. Netflix. Hmm. Yeah, it used to be a company being important about 20 years ago when they first started <laughs> shipping DVDs or something. <laughs> now, long fallen by the wayside, if I understand this correctly. I don't know. I've never used it. So. But there we go. You cancelled your Netflix subscription? I never had one. But that's not the reason why the, why the, why the kids moved out. <laughs> it's just not. Um, TV is, is something that is very little um, benefit. Let's put it that way. Well spotted, Mr. Visser. <laughs> 
No, Martin is that There's, there's, there's very rare, rarely anything on that's worth watching, yeah, true. in my opinion, but there we go. Um, unless you happen to live in the UK and you are hmm. addicted to something called the BBC, the British Broadcasting Corporation. And uh, if you happen to be a royalist, it is, <laughs> at the same time. No, no I'm not no? sure if anybody okay. likes it. Well, BBC has gone downhill very much in the last uh, five years, whatever. It's all very modern and ah, um, okay. populist. Fact, it's, it's, there's hardly any difference between the BBC and Channel 5, to be honest. It's, uh, it's, Martin, fun fact, full disclosure, Martin hmm. is of this opinion for the last, has been of this opinion for the last 25 plus years. That for the last five years the BBC has gone downhill. Uh, yes, but only for the uh, last con- con- years. Contrary to to um, let's say Channel Five for ITVs, we actually what have I, to pay, what, what, pay, what pay for this nonsense with our tax, which is even worse. <laughs> you see, it's Martin, like, it's like living not... in Russia, the state-funded TV. <laughs> you see, Martin, I do not live in the UK and I don't watch British TV, so I wouldn't be able to comment on that anyway. Good. Well, don't don't bother. <laughs> no, I won't. <laughs> Uh, channel 4, Channel 5, ITV, if you're listening to this, yes. if you want to have this narrative changed, the email address to send to send us mail to is sponsor at linuxinlaws.eu. <laughs> Given the right yeah. amount, yeah. Martin may talk differently about you in the future. You oh, no, 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 ITV and Channel 4 <laughs> actually have some decent stuff on these days. Yeah. If you're listening, ITV and Channel 4, yeah, yeah, so, you to find us. But... So they sent us money already. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Martin, I like this undercover marketing. I really do. <laughs> Let's hope it works. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> and with that, people, yeah, thank you for listening. Good. I hope you liked it a little bit, at least as much as, <laughs> as we did recording this. And see you soon. Bye-bye. This is the Linux In-Laws. You come for the knowledge. But stay for the madness. Thank, thank you, you for listening. listening. This podcast is licensed under the latest version of the Creative Commons license. Type attribution share alike. Credits for the intro music go to Blue Sea Roosters for their song Salute Margaret, to Twin Flames for their piece called The Flow, used for the segment intros, and finally to Celestial Ground for their song Sweet Justice, used by the Dark Side. You find these and other ditties licensed under CC at Gemando a website dedicated to liberate the music industry from choking copyright legislation and other crap concepts.